0: My name is Isaac. Uh, Today's uh, Bible passage, there are two Bible passages today. One is from Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 23 and the second is from Galatians 4 verses 3 to 5. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph And from Galatians four, so also when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under law to redeem those under law that we might receive the full rights of sons.
1: Good morning. It's a joy and a privilege for me to be with you in this time after the Christmas service. Now it's a New Year service, so it's quite really a, a joyful time. Uh, how about we come to the Lord in prayer before we think about his word. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in the New Year, as we gather together as your people in this particular local church and those online. We pray, pray, Lord, that we as a community will live a life that brings glory to your name. Lord, we look forward to a new year where you will work among us as community, as a church, as families, as individuals. Lord, I pray that uh, I will be faithful to your truth this morning as we look at your word. And my prayer for all of us to have hearts willing to listen and obey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You might think the reading from Matthew is a bit outdated. Well, Christmas is over. Why should we worry about Matthew, the birth of Jesus? Uh, It is not outdated. And I thought that uh, as we are still in what we call the festive season, uh, to put things together and probably dig, dig deeper than the surface celebrations and get something for us that will prepare us as well for the new year. So I called it Thought Reflections on Christmas and New Year. And that's what it is, it's reflection. Uh, different thought from different aspects. So the first first idea I thought to think about is festive season, hopes, and reality. I use the word festive season because that's what we hear all the time in the world around us. It's not used Christmas season anymore, at least in the world. And the festive season tells what the people expect and wish for, celebration, to be happy, enjoy this time of the year. It's a very special time of the year for all nations around the world from all backgrounds and all religions. And people look at this time of the year with lots of hopes. The preparation particularly as things are related to material thinking of the world using it as an occasion to boost sales and boost the economy. It it has become a season of buying and giving gifts and buying things. Uh, And that's the hope of of the world in every year. This year was no different, although we lived under the shadow of COVID. Still, the economy gets its biggest boost through this season. So it's a time of people trying to be joyful, and in that they give presents to each other, give presents to children, we get together as families, and most of family reunions worldwide happen during this time, and we try, we try, and Christians are not excluded, to forget our difficulties in life. And boy, the last two years hasn't, haven't been easy. We don't need to be reminded about that again and again. But nevertheless, even without COVID, life is not easy. Life many times uh, put so much pressure and give us baggage to carry. And we would like to get off this baggage even once a year for a few days or even one day. That's the hopes that build up from October. And when it comes, when I look back what Christmas was last week, it looks like last year. It's kind of all gone. Where was it? What happened? I've been preparing for it for so long. The reality hits sometime later. For those who are going back to work next week, it will appear like the the, the festive season is gone. We are back to reality. I don't want to meditate much on the reality because we all live it. But we need to dig a bit deeper. Why the reality is not that great? Why the hopes of the family reunion sometimes turn to be a time of struggle and remembering the loved ones who are not with us or the broken relationships that become evident when we get together and we miss out with some. That's why I wanted us to dig deeper when we think about the new year as well. So to put it into context, we can never escape the necessity to diagnose a problem. Before we start thinking about the solution, we need to think about the problem. It sounds like an old story, but we need to remember it to go further. The problem is we were created with God in the garden to be happy, to have a good life, actually to have no death, no sickness, no hunger, no conflicts. That's what God intended for us, you and me, when he created our grandparents in the Garden of Eden. The reason for us would have been happy and content and enjoying what God has created us to be is our relationship with Him. We should never forget that we are not independent with our own lives. We don't have our separate lives. Our life was and is and will continue to be given by God and connected to God. When we were in the garden, our life was based on a continuous connection between God and us. He's like the live stream that gives us life and with it, everything else. When that live stream was cut by our desire to be independent from God, to have our own life, our own decision making, our own way of, what, of deciding what's right or wrong, when we took that choice in Adam and Eve, and mind you, you don't need to blame Adam for it, you still, we still do it today. Till today, what we hate most, most of the times, is people telling us what to do or not to do. We feel that our freedom have been uh, you know, intruded by other people, including God. We like to be independent. And we think we can be independent. Well, the idea that Adam and Eve to be independent have their own life, their way, wasn't a good idea. And the evidence were very immediate. Adam and Eve not only lost their connection with God, but with each other. They started blaming each other. The other person is the problem, not me. That sounds like familiar. And even worse, brothers hated each other, were envious and one brother killed his brother. That happened very soon after this fatal mistake of Adam and Eve. So that's a problem. We lost connection with God and with it, not only we lost life eventually, physically, but we lost it immediately when we were under condemnation by the punishment of God. And we lost good relationship with people around us. We also lost cooperation with the environment. Adam had to work very hard and the environment was not cooperative. Actually, it was hostile. Creatures around us became hostile. The whole creation was badly affected. Now, thank to God, the good news is there is a divine intervention. We couldn't do anything to help ourselves. We created the mess and we suffer from it. God did not want to leave us with his love alone to suffer the consequences of what we deserve. God from very early times told Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And God since then had a plan for redeeming his beloved creation. The history we read in the Bible is really the plan of God unfolding for him to fulfill his purpose. The plan starts with Abraham, and God chose him and his descendants to his people, and he will be their God. Can you see the connection starts to come? And then God through Abraham had the history of Israel. The people of Israel had a long history of leaving God, disobeying him and suffering. And God comes in and saving them and they go back the same cycle. The whole history of of Israelites is a history of rebellion and redemption. Rebellion and redemption. The prophets look forward for God's salvation all the time. Before the time of Jesus, the last tens or hundreds of years, the people of God who were under oppression by the Romans were looking for that savior that God will send to save them. And in their mind, the salvation was from the oppression of the occupier. God, through his prophets, repeatedly said, he will save his people. Most of the times, if not all, the people understood that this savior is a person sent by God from the line of David to come and take over the kingdom and restore the glory of God's people in his land. That was their understanding of the prophecies. There were few prophecies in the Old Testament which I'm confident that the people never understood them. And we can read them today and understand them. Because we have the New Testament, we have the fulfillment. So we are in a better position. But let me, let's look at one, uh, one prophecy. It's in Malachi, Malachi uh, 3.1. I will s- try to understand it in the mindset of an Old Testament person who is under occupation and try to understand it and see how our understanding today is very different. God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord. The best any Israelite in the Old Testament would have expected for this liberator, the Messiah, the one sent by God to come and save them from the Romans. And there were some prophecies, God will save them from their sins. But there was no imagination in the wild imagination of any Jew that God is talking about he himself coming. God sent a messenger. But God is saying a lot more. And this is one of the prophecies. There are few of them in the Old Testament. That says God is not sending anyone. He's actually coming himself. God will come himself. And that's what he says. You, are, you will come to his temple. God will send a messenger who was uh, John the Baptist and he will prepare the way. But then God himself, will come to his temple, any prophet, any uh, human savior will not say the temple is my temple. Only God is the one who will say my temple. So the messenger we have here, John the Baptist, preparing for someone who is, and has the right to say my temple. This one can only be God himself. So you see God is intervening in history by himself, not sending someone else. And he does that by coming as a child. He comes as a child. God takes flesh and comes to us as a human being. God himself intervenes to solve our problem. He chose to, to come as a vulnerable, helpless child, to share our humanity, share our vulnerabilities, starting from being a helpless child. Hence, we have the birth of Jesus. And that's why I said we we'll read Matthew, because it's not outdated. That is a signal of Christ, God himself, coming to intervene and resolve what we have done. So in Christ, there is a new unreversal of what Adam did. It's reversing the problem. It's solving the problem so we can live a life as God intended it. Birth of a child is a joyful occasion. The birth of a child is a signal that life defeats death. As we farewell people, every child comes and says, death is not ruling, there is life, there is hope. But I trust for us as Christians, as we it and still celebrate that Jesus was born as a child, we don't get stuck there. Jesus came as a child because he wanted to start life amongst us like every one of us, but different father, who is God himself. So he starts the journey of life like any one of us. But we should never get stuck with joy of childbirth. Jesus did not stay as a child. Jesus came for a bigger purpose. He came to live a perfect life. Show us what God looks like. And then at the end, the climax is the cross. So Jesus came as a child, but he came to die, and to die on the cross. And in Galatians, as we have read it, it's the theological meaning of what the child childbirth means. The joy is not only for having a little baby that cries no more, that causes no trouble, the ideal child, which we we don't have. We think the child Jesus should have been this ideal child. The reality is Jesus was a child like every other child. He was vulnerable. He needed the care of his parents. And he used to cry. I am sure he used to get sick as well. He was a human. He used to hunger and suffer but He came to fulfill what the Bible said. Jesus came as God Himself to save us from our sins. When the time came, when the fullness of time in the old translations, God has a perfect timing for Him to intervene. Jesus came to reverse what happened in Eden. In Eden, the sin, sin separated us from God. God left us from having a close connection. But in Jesus, there is a reverse of that. He, the Word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and the only Son, who came from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Throughout the history of the Old Testament, God used to be symbolically be with his people through the tabernacle, the tent, and later in the temple. So the temple or the tabernacle represented God is in the midst of his people. God is being with his people in a symbolic way. And the verse here in John uses the same word. And he made his dwelling among us. He tabernacled with us. Jesus put himself as a tent in our midst. He himself was the tent. He himself is a connection with us. So Jesus on earth, was declaring reconnection with his human uh, creation. Jesus is told he is God with us, Emmanuel. So the essence of the incarnation is for Jesus to be in our midst. Now that was never taken away. In the Old Testament was in the temple and the temple was destroyed. Jews couldn't present sacrifices anymore. But in the new era, God with us is in the person of Jesus Christ, who came as a child and stayed with us by His Holy Spirit. So we can enjoy today God with us. Emmanuel never left us. He might have left us by the body, but His Holy Spirit continues to be with us. And that was Jesus' promise to us. He told His disciples, I'll not leave you alone. I will send my Spirit. So today, my friends, you and I are living with this privilege of Jesus who came to earth. He never left us, not by the body, but by His Holy Spirit. God with us, Emmanuel. My friend, let me conclude. Is our joy in a child that's helpless, that cries no more, and we are happy to see a child, or our joy is in Lord and King, the Lord of the universe, the Creator, who came to our world to save us? We had the problem, not him. We needed him to save us. He did not need to reconnect with us, but He loves us so much that He didn't want us to be left separated and die. As we wished Merry Christmas and wished for peace to each other, what was the reason? The reason was the problem had been solved. God intervened to restore us to Him so we can have relationship with Him and we can enjoy peace. My friends, if you couldn't have peace because of what you did on Christmas Day, God wants peace to fill your life, to the rest of your life, and for the new year. God wants to live with us, in us, not separate. We don't need to be crying to Him to come to us. He is already with us. My friends, I hope the new year and every year will be a year of reconnection with Him. If you have been getting cold in your relationship with God, be assured He has come and never left. He is in you and in me. And He wants us to have a a lively, vivid, strong relationship with Him. And this relationship is the source of Merry Christmas, of New Year, Happy New Year. That's the only reason we can have hope. Uh, My friend, I hope that the new year, the Lord Jesus Christ will not be a helpless child, but will be your Lord and Savior. You follow Him. You love Him. You obey Him. You trust Him completely. And you... Declare His glory to all the people around you. And finally, we can never forget that the New Testament always reminded us we live in the shadow of eternity. As we live looking for a new year, we should never forget that the final rest we have is not here on earth. As we struggle with so many things, Even with the presence in God in our midst, we still suffer a broken world. We still suffer from what's happening around us. So our final and assurance of rest is what keeps us going from day to day. Enjoy the coming year. Enjoy every day. Enjoy every second by giving God the glory, living for Him, trust Him, and have your ultimate hope for the final rest which is assured.